can go to any football game, any baseball, basketball game, and in amongst uh, all the you know, big, you know, super, super, supreme rap stuff they play, and the hit for this bash machine head music like here. And so even when I was using it the other day, there was a discussion about the set and how old songs to use. I said, well, they, they know machine because that's not fair. That's just in, in you know. That's a song in American DNA, though, in the you know musical DNA of everyone who loves rock music. That's not fair. So it's like a really good compliment, but yet being used against me in the argument. It was brilliant. I was like, that's like a chess move. I was like, wow, that's so deep. It moved me away with a compliment. Hey guys, James Wilson-Taylor here for Rock Sound. Now Bush are back with a brand new studio album. It's like the eve of release roughly now. It's just kind of coming around the corner. I'm delighted to say that here to tell us all about it is the one and only Mr. Gavin Rossdale. How are you, man? Good, uh, good thanks. Good, yeah. yeah exciting couple of days. Yeah, it's be, yeah. <clears throat> so weird when they come out because you have this like period when you, first when you're writing songs and you want you, you think about, imagine people that like the band, you think, oh man, we're going to love this track. Get to this script is going to be amazing or overly. So you see something like that, you work on a new record and then it goes through all the stages. So this is a really fun stage where you're just like, nothing to do with me anymore. Over <laughs> to you guys. You know what I mean? Like it's, it just, yeah, it just exists in of its own merit. And uh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Exactly. No, no, very exciting times. I mean, let's start with this new record, of course. Um, Tell me a little bit about when that kind of writing began. I find a lot of people have had kind of a lot of ideas left over from these last few years where for obvious reasons touring kind of took a bit of a pause was that the case with you or was this kind of new inspiration over the last year or so when do those ideas kind of start to develop new inspiration because uh, um i mean i'm going to change my policy now but i always used to have a policy of uh once we put a record in like i can get off the pressure of trying to remember a good line coming up with this that just like don't worry so we brought the kingdom out a couple of uh, summers ago you know during the pandemic and um you know sort of like career it's, it's like commercial form of harry carry you know because you, you can tour it but at the same time there's also something called about putting a record out that people can relate to and, and uh i think it was really good for us it, it connected a lot of people with us with uh, with the kingdom and uh we connected and then um so these were like the lot a lot i guess but maybe taking a year to make I always think, wish it to be, I was like, no, nine months, no. Eight months and 14 days. Like trying to minimize or trying to uh, obscure how slow and slow you are. <laughs> You're just slow, slow. Nothing wrong uh, with taking we, a bit of it's time. Weird. It's, okay. weird it's, it's weird because um, I, I work on it all the time, you know, from when it begins. And I'm just sitting in there from the silence and I'm in my studio, little, I have a little studio like, like anyone can have nowadays. And um, I have got fancy panels on the walls and on the ceiling and I'm painting them red, you know, sound panels. So it looks like Lenny Kravitz's studio. It's brilliant. And, and I've got this little, really obviously a powerful, amazing uh, Apple uh, laptop um, sort of a computer thing, but um, it's I, I put it behind a, I connect with two little outputs where I have a, a big screen. This guy, Stephen Slate, makes this amazing. It's like, like you know, Starship control, like you control, this is controlling your laptop, but it's like enlarged. So it's, it's been, a, it's a, so it's a laugh. <clears throat> so from that time, you know, just <clears throat> making music now. now. Now things are so advanced. You can 
you know what I mean? Like you, you can you can really put immerse yourself in it in a track with no one else around. You can sound like you know you can be seventeen people. Yeah, just never has to start, man. Never. So has I just to start. Well, yeah. So I just go through it, and I know, like, I really apply myself because that's what you have to do. And yet, it still takes months and months and months. And you wait for someone's schedule, so I get to a certain point and start involving other people. It's just all a process. Really. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating one though, and it's nice to be able to actually be back and, like you say, being able to get back on the road with this as well, which is going to be very, very exciting. You know, I know you guys have been out on the road in the minute. You know, how much of that new material is actually in the set? It's got to be nice to to finally be able to see these reactions to these new songs that you've been sitting with for a while. Yeah, well, to be to be fair, we've only we have we have single out more the machines, so we've been playing uh, the life out of that. Like it's a uh, you know throwing in the uh, the the junior kid into the into the fray with all the other songs that have been around um, a lot longer. Um, but so there's no point. We, so it's a bit of a weird one because uh, there's three things here. First off, I kept on thinking every time we play, we keep on playing singles and it felt sort of revisionist. And I was like, I th- it was annoying me. And then, and there was always a bit of friction when we we're doing the set list. Person X of my band was always like, no, play, we play the songs that are hits. And, that sort of, sort of contains you. Like we never, ironically, have done the greatest hits because of that. And yet, some of the shows we're doing, I was just like getting annoyed about how it was not enough of that balance of, of are you pushing forward and are you giving people what they want. So uh, with this tour, it's weird because we got the chance to play those songs from the kingdom, which we hadn't toured. So in a way, this whole year, everyone's like, "Yeah, you're back. It's great. It's a new record." I go, "Yeah, it's great. This is the record we played two years ago, or a year ago, a year and a half ago." And uh, so the set's got sort of four or five songs that everybody knows, who knows Bush, and then five or six much more exploratory, progressive new songs. And not not to sort of bore people or to send people off to go and like get get beers and stuff. Um, more like with between two songs they know that the song's so compelling and the performer's so compelling that people stay. And so I think that in a weird way now we've got this tour with Breaking Benjamin and Alice in Chains. Alice was there before us uh, and uh, Breaking Benjamin came after us and both done amazing uh, you know, with, their, with their songwriting and their sort of fans. So it's been really fun to like, like this philosophical question, well, like a kid doesn't know us, do I have to play a song that was a hit 10 years ago or should I play them a hit, a song that we wrote you know, a month ago because it's going to be what it's in the zeitgeist. It's in what people are feeling. It's really modern. So we just, I just like went modern the whole way. Like, you know what? It's like, I've always done everything wrong my whole career. You know, everything's been wrong. It started, it got a record, it got a break in America. Uh, it didn't start in England. We tried to address the balance. They then ended up, I've done everything wrong. Um, Continue to make music people want to listen to. Wrong. No one, you know, wrong. Just play the hits. Wrong. Don't ever be wrong. And I think that in a weird way, like Man Ray, not that I'm in his uh, stratosphere, but the idea that it's through getting things wrong uh, or doing things uh, in um, unusual ways that yields the most interesting results for me. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think there's a lot of bands out there who would pay good money to have your mistakes as well, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good run for some mistakes in there. Um, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the record itself. You know, I'm, I know it's a cliched question, but I'm genuinely fascinated by album titles. I always find it really interesting why an artist selects a certain phrase to sum up a collection of sounds. The yeah. art of survival, I guess, on, on first kind of glance, you might think, yeah, that applies to the last few years. Does it, or was this kind of a wider phrase about something else going on? I mean, first of all, I couldn't agree more uh, uh, about titles because I find them as a writer of, of titles and, and it's like fascinating. It's the same principle as um, what's your first song on your record you want to hear? What's the, the album title? Where are you? Where are we going with this? And this is like essential, even subconscious, subliminal. It's just that there are essential qualities that draw you to someone or not. Same as a cover. I believe the cover is like, massive i do it myself i'm so superficial like i'll see books i'll be in a bookstore and the best cover i'm gonna look at it first i can't help it i go wow that's amazing you know whereas something that is that no one's really thought about or cared now nah, it's not important the words are important well no everything every single detail is important because if you get every detail right that's what it is so yeah anyway so the art of survival you know um it it it, it desperately um uh, sums my last couple of years up uh, and different kind of roughness and um, just life stuff that's so challenging that when you come through it you are just so grateful that you, you're, you're safe so grateful you're safe Some stuff that I went through and I, that's as far as I go with it because um, I don't want to impose on it I think that's extraordinary times we're living in like you could isolate anybody like at the pub, sit to them and ask them stuff. And they're going to tell you a story about their life or someone around them and their stories of struggle and survival that will blow you away. You're like, oh, mate, I just thought you were like this twat that was in the fucking pub every night and I never really knew much about you. And now I know why you're in the pub or whatever it is. And um, and it's incredible. We're doing these massive shows now, you know. They're, they're, I mean, they're not, they're not Coldplay massive. Uh, God bless them, but it's sort of like uh, like their car park. It's like a sort of a you know these lovely sheds. It's like ten thousand people in the thing, and five thousand people on the lawns. It's like these balmy nights. Uh, the incredible. We 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 took this uh, opportunity to to basically open on this tour. I mean, I'm good friends with 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 uh, Jerry, and he asked me to come and do this tour, like a special guest, which is a nice way of saying opener. I'm all right with it. It's good. Everyone should eat humble salad, you know, uh, with gluten. Um, and um, it's been amazing because we're getting 13,000 people come to watch. So I'd be like, well, look, we're playing early. In this current climate, you know, imagine that everyone's on tour. People don't have any money. All these, you know, they're asking so much people. It just seemed like a smart move to, um, to, to team up with them and go out. And I tell you, I've, I've had a, an amazing time with them. Really, really good fun. And I sang with Alison James. And uh, Jerry's come out and played with us. Ben came out. You know, it's just, it's just, so these things are kind of special. So when I look out in those crowds, I see that. And I know, I can feel, we all saw it. We all lived glued to people's struggles. Um, so the art of survival popped in my head. Um, it was trying to, you know, sum up the, the best titles. And I was like, alive and then like uh, chris is like that's a kiss title and i was like looked at it up for from 1975 does it matter 
Loads of other people had it. So I you didn't do that. And whatever, it's, you know, it, but the art of survival sums it up because, you know, anyone that, that, uh, that has a, yeah, you know, it's just anyone in a band is going to love art, you know, to, to concurrent um, medium or whatever like that. So, so anyway, so yeah, I feel it applies to everybody. And, and that's why it's essential to not overlay it with my own thing. Just the fact that it's just incredible, you know, um, what everyone's gone through. And so it's been like a celebration, um, a summer of celebration in a way. And uh, it's been beautiful with that because, you know, yeah, great thing. Yeah, you definitely feel it at shows in particular. Everyone's incredibly grateful because, you know, everyone went through very different experiences, but everyone went through a experience. So it's kind of a binding yeah. unity community thing now. It's really nice, yeah. especially when yeah, live yeah. music is back, i got to say. It's really, really impressive. Um, in terms of the album itself as well, you know, some of your collaborators on there, I had a chat with uh, Mr. Tyler Bates actually about a couple of his other projects a few months back. Really fascinating dude. Really kind of interesting mix of stuff he works on. What was that experience like for you getting to, to collaborate with him on some of this? Um, just brilliant because what was the most incredible thing about it and was the friendship we developed. He was kind of he was odd, he knew what he knows my manager. But we had to go for like two lunches. My manager first was like, You should work with this guy. And I was being defensive and and I was like wasn't sure and I was just it's like, well, okay, sure, let's do it, you know. But then I had to go for lunch with him twice, sort of uh, pass a test, I suppose. I did the same thing. I did lunch with Steve Albini before he'd made one. Apparently everyone lunches. The best people I've worked with lunch before they decide. <laughs> so I had a couple of lunches. I just never realised the connection was exactly the same thing happened with Steve. I got the best letter from Steve about uh, having a great lunch with me to my management. So, um, and bearing in mind that uh, he's he's dealt with so much bullshit over the years. He, he, he can barely, you know, he just, you know, rises above it. Heather, his girlfriend on the other hand, has an excellent bullshit detector. She found Gavin fascinating. And so, in turn, I'd be delighted to record the band at their convenience. Uh, brilliant, Steve, I've been here. So with, with Tyler, um, and then it turns out we're, we're just very connected. We became friends. And like, you get two hours with him. He's so busy. He's got like four, he's doing four movies, or three TV shows. He's got his studio um, and two other studios in his house that are running. The beautiful setup, you know, proper you know, real studios, and um, and uh, so I went there, and the first day, and I was like, okay, that's it, and I thought I'd be there for like you know twelve hours. I had a little like supply of like hot tea, bit of water, sort of entertainment for the day, you know, and um, we sat there for like about an hour and a half. We we're just talking, and he was in yeah yeah. He goes um oh. Uh, he was being, you know, slightly anxious. And he goes, I love this guitar I got. And he, he um, turned it on and I asked him about a pedal like that, you know, the great, you know, the great equalizer, or, you know, sort of the, um, the relaxing thing. You know, so boom, he goes, uh, you know, he started playing a riff, right? He said, because I can do this. Like, so I just recorded it. I was recording with my phone, just voice record, doing that. I thought, it's cool. And then, um, then he goes, well, like, I've got a few things for you. I prepared, you know, he prepared three bits of music. And I, I was like, they were a bit, I was like, yeah, no. I said, I really like this though. And I played in the riff he played me. And um, that was the first song we wrote together that became uh, Ghost of the Machine. And it was really fun because I just picked something out of him, played a bit with him. And then he sent me home, I was done in two hours. He goes, well, let me let me get that together for you. Right? I goes, oh, cool, he, he likes to work. 
in a specific way, like, fuck off. Uh, okay, you know? So I left, and he sent it to me, then I'm in my house, and I put, you know, take the sections, have the sections, like, and I, I made all my parts up, saying the top lines. And then I go to his house, before I go, uh, I just uh, warm up, so when I arrive, I can like walk straight into the vocal booth, which is in his room, you know. So I got you know, he chats for a bit because he's used to working with people who made you know like studio execs. So maybe he doesn't want to chat too long, you know. But with me, it was a ch ch chatty, you know, like so, like, so I'm ready, you know. But check this out. So I do it and I sing. So then he's so we have this extraordinary way of working where he'll send me a bunch of things and whatever I'll just pick out something. I respond to that. Then I go and see him for an hour and a half. And just it's just it's really snappy, really fast. And um, so on this record, he just you know he sent me a bunch of music. So you know we should continue. I was like, yeah, totally, I'll do it. And he sent me a bunch of things, and I, was like, oh, I don't know. And he sent me this one thing that was like super, um, like almost atonal. Like it was just so it was so heavy. I just was laughing as I heard it. It just. I was just laughing at like how abrasive it was. I was like, oh my God, there's so much abrasion in one space. It's, it, I love it. That became the song Identity. And I wrote on that and then went back. And of course, it's just fun for him because he sort of sends out some music, like come in with a, uh, an image. And he's like, he's just great because it's just a really collaborative. And we're very intuitive and we're so busy. I think we're just super fast. We did five minutes with each other. So we'd like hang out, I see him, you know, I see him all the time. And I really love him. And in fact, it was interesting, he's a real conduit between me and Jerry, because he's really close with Jerry, plays in Jerry's band. So when Jerry was in Europe, when we were there, he was with Jerry at certain festivals, so we'd sit and have lunch, whatever, dinner together, hang out, so. But yeah, he's a great man. Yeah, really, really fascinating to see as well. And really compassionate. My favorite thing about him is what good, it's not easy later in life to meet friends that you can rely on. Like I've met, I'm, I'm friends with loads of actors in LA. It's hilarious, you know, but it's like leaning on a fucking tent. You know, <laughs> it's really musicians just have a spirit. And so Tyler feels like a very a close friend. Like I'm close friends with my band, you know, which is kind of unusual with some bands who've been around together a long time because lots of them just sort of, have partitions on the stages, don't they? Because <laughs> you know, these stories of like people that don't hate each other, they, excuse me, they hate each other, but they don't, they don't hate what the band could do live, you know? So it sounds so cynical, but um, also hilarious because it's such an effort. I've had arguments, in, you know, I had falling out with like Chris and all that. And like, I had one awkward show where I you know, woke up off of the Xanax and barked or something like that. You know, I apologized for barking. And, but then you have to go through the, the process of one gig. There's a little bit of, bit of a, what do you call it, shadow fraud, you know, like they call it a little bit colder, not as friendly, not as inviting. My bad, I know. Because we all live together, you know, so you have these That's moments. it. You're living, you're living together for that long. It's inevitable, isn't it? But yeah, you keep yeah, it together we, in the end. Yeah, we've been going since, you know, March or something. Yeah, God, God. I mean, I mean, I want to mention, you know, while, while we talk a little bit about reflecting and kind of looking back, you know, I wanted to mention a couple of things from the past of Bush, because something I've noticed, at least, is that, you know, obviously, you've got 
many hits in your discography and all that kind of stuff but one that seems to keep coming back for me and i keep seeing reappear in different ways is machine head and that's maybe sometimes it's cover versions we saw people like we even did one with roxanne for the 250th issue sleeping with sirens gave that a go and like hawthorne heights i saw covering it i see it pop up in like netflix films and stuff great song obviously but you know you've got a lot of hits from that era and beyond why do you think it is that that one in particular seems to keep coming back around and and kind of reconnecting again and again um i think that um because it's all on the one (laughs) and it's all like you know everything that's happening in music is just that does that sort of uh, bounce on the one and uh that so keeps it modern and um I guess people like that. And, you know, it's like they, they use it a lot at Sporting Events. There's some weird, like, it's really high up on the list of songs used. So you can go to any football game, any baseball, basketball game, and in amongst uh, all the, you know, big, you know super, super, supreme rap stuff they play and the hit for this batch machine head music. Like and so even when I was using it the other day, there were a discussion about the set and how old songs use. And I said, well, they, <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant because it, uh, because that, uh, I said, well, they, they know machine. He goes, that's not fair. That's just in, the, in, you know, that's a song in American DNA, though, in the, you know, musical DNA of everyone who loves rock music. That's not fair. So it was like a really good compliment, but yet being used against me in the argument. It was brilliant. I was like, that's like a chess move. I was like, wow, that's so deep. It moved me away with a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah again if that's an insult that's, you'll absolutely take it that's the one that's that's charm you know <laughs> quentin crisp said that uh, charm was the ability to influence without the use of logic not wise words very wise words i like that and actually remarkably true the more you think about that one as well yeah, yeah. very very wise Good. right there um another thing i wanted to to kind of look back on slightly i don't know if you saw any of the old uh, the woodstock 99 documentaries but i was hooked on those <coughs> obviously there's the the tragic elements and the really horrible side of what it became but also some of that footage particularly from the first couple of days where i know you were involved was was unbelievable like people hitting at their peak and in a lot of ways i don't know if you have thought much about that time and that set or anything but do you have any memories of that i mean you guys were on the friday before the real madness started and all the horrible yeah. stuff really we it, you know it was it was good to see I, I watched the one that i was in and just watched the first episode and i need to yeah. continue watching obviously interviews i found people referencing but um it just—it's just a bit embarrassing that uh, uh, how I sweetly and I'm proud of to be, to be that much of it. I told you to do everything wrong. I told you. So that night, I was—I think this thing I—I I loved Hendrix so much in the Woodstock '69. You know, that was like this—you know—Janis Joplin, this whole world of. I never really could imagine I could ever be part of that as a kid. Loving that, I didn't even know there was a. a sort of a place you could go, it's called, you know, it's called being in a big rock band where you could live a life like that. It just seemed like this underworld, you know what I mean? Like, you know, centuries, I have to say centuries, ago, like 20 years ago, right? So when I went there, I felt a real, real responsibility that I wanted to be part of a generation, a part of a musical community that kind of respected the initial, um, the, 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 the point, the thrust of the, Six nine about freedom, the anti-war, anti you know, uh, anti-war sort of camaraderie sentiment, you know, uh, community building sentiment, uh, minority protecting sentiment, and uh, I couldn't help that. And then of course, well, so I did it, and I was like, I always remember, I, 
it made me so nervous to ever watch it of myself because I know that I was like trying to do, I gave this speech about trying to, you know, being everyone, you know. <laughs> it's like, you got to think about this because it's been forever, but it's actually hindered me watching it for my own performance because I'd be so embarrassed when I watch it if I got it right or not. But um, I just loved it. It was just an incredible experience. I remember going, it was a weird experience because I didn't know, didn't look on the stage. I was in, you know, perverse love of not seeing the crowd before I go on. So when I go out, there, they have this sense of like, finally the band's on, if they like the band. And I have like, finally the audience is here. It's this great sort of moment. I like this sort of like, you know, uh, physics-based um, kinetic energy idea, you know. But that was so massive. It was like, oh my God, took my breath away. And then, then you're just playing for your life and just trying to think of the magic of what went before and kind of give everything to be as good as you can. Same as I'll play tomorrow night, same philosophy. So there was that. So then I felt a pit. When I, all the trouble starts, we heard about, we were at different festivals by Sunday. We were elsewhere, you know, and it was just horrific to hear of all of the victims. I mean, anyone who I came to see Bush, I mean, the thing is we came out of a of an era of a time that was um, kind of went against the, you know, traditional rock and roll groupies and it was a sort of like sound you know this was a different sound that was more sort of coming out of an alternative scene where the alternative women there was respect for women there was a mutual admiration of like their abilities you know that was like when king gordon was the queen you know i mean she is still is to, to many people but you know what i mean at that time you know kim deal so what are our aesthetic and, and the whole thing was not like that at all. And uh, so my memories were were not, were more tarnished in, in retrospect, you know, in hindsight, like, like, oof, you know, yeah, I was involved that weekend. I played between Corn and Limp Bizkit. How about, I hadn't even, I'd been, we had been making a record and we were in London at the time. And I, I was immersed in Primrose Hill and into the, making the record at a, um, uh, Mayfair Studios, really exciting. I'd never been at my house and walked to the studio. I felt really creative. We're doing the science of things. It was all like that. And so when I went to do that, I just was stuck in a dumb bubble of my own. I think, yeah, it's all brilliant now. I'm going to be brilliant here. Like they were brilliant in 69. And it was like, you, Limp Bizkit. And then it's like, it's like, like metal heads and, you know, new metal kids, guys just wanted to have like the biggest mosh pits ever. And I was like, I don't know. We can, all right, here we go. <laughs> here we go, exactly. Someone said to me the other day, someone said to me, it's amazing how you brought the audience down. I was like, well, I wasn't going to like, like nullify them, like completely give them the fucking, you know, lobotomize them. You know, it's no, just I wanted to, to, to keep, have it in the spirit of like, you know, so none of that stuff was going on with us. And I, that's what I mean. I, I hope that people would. I, I, I don't understand any of it, so it's horrific, but I'm glad it wasn't on my watch. You know? I'll leave you with this, man. You know, obviously, like we keep saying, this new album, we're kind of on the eve of release effectively now. And something I always like to ask artists when we kind of get to this stage is what they hope the fans take away when we get to Friday, it's out there, they hit play for the first time. What do you really hope they take away from that kind of first listen to this new Bush record? Um, as always, I just hope that people get lost in the music, which is the greatest quality music can have, you know, it just, it transports you. And I think that, that why, when I 
wrote uh, Heavy as the Ocean, it was a weird feeling of, oh, thank you, this defines the aesthetic and the intention, and this is the journey. It's like the, the boat that, like, More the Machines is the perfect first single. It's so, like, ridiculous, that riff. <laughs> it's, it's almost dumb. <laughs> it makes me laugh. And things are really good. I sort of laugh at first. I don't know what it is. It's funny. Because it really is a, an incredible riff. Um, and um, same with the beginning of uh, Head is the Ocean. And the way that it goes through, so being transported, which is why the idea that it ends, and it, it, it ends with a lilting kind of a dropping you to some, you know, mystical destination, whatever, you know, give you a chance to something else, but just drops you off gently. It's a gentle drop off with a thousand years. <clears throat> and um, I think the way music works is, is best. It just takes you somewhere. So that's what you hope. I mean, the, the worst thing, like I tell you, I, I give the opposite as well. You know? The worst thing is just, and I do it when I listen to people's records and I concentrate and I just figure out what they're trying to do. And sometimes things can really pass me by, you know, the songs can pass me by. Do you know what I mean? I'm listening to someone and I'm like, I haven't left. I'm still there. We are, we're definitely still here. And, uh, that would be the worst thing. I don't want anyone still there. <laughs> we'll be like, wow, this is what the, what's this? You know? So that, that's what, that's why. And, um, you know, and I, in turn, I, I love it when, um, when uh, I get lost in records, you know, Mars Volta, that new record is just really, I mean, it's really surprising. Um, and it's not remotely abrasive. It's completely uh, sensual, lilting, really brilliant. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> you know, I like getting, uh, you know, taken on journeys by fans. Yeah, taken on a journey is a good phrase for sure. And I'm sure your fans absolutely will be when this new record drops on Friday. Um, Gavin, really, really nice to chat to you, man. Really appreciate yeah. your time on this. Congrats yeah. on the record. Enjoy the rest of the tour. And I'm uh, sure we'll see you back here in the homeland very soon as well. All right. I can't wait. Yes, you will. Thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. Good best. stuff. All right. Cheers, Bye. Gavin, everybody. Bye.